0: Hi, I'm Bec Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast. A podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Well, welcome, Bianca, to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. You and your husband have been together for 18 years. Can you tell me how you met?
1: We met on the rough base at a party and I also met him at the pool a couple of times.
0: So how did it come about that you were on the RAF base when you met?
1: Both my parents were in the Air Force at the time, and I also had friends who had parents on the RAF bases, living on the RAF base as well.
0: So when you met him, did you have any idea in your head about whether you wanted to go forward with a relationship with someone in defence since you had, I guess, grown up around it? And was that something that you wanted to steer away from or?
1: No, I think I had an understanding of what it would be like to be a defence partner. So I kind
0: of already knew what to expect. So what was your introduction to defence life like when you and your partner got together? Like obviously you're going from being a defence kid and being in a defence family to being a spouse.
1: I suppose my dad kind of found it a bit hard that he was in the Navy and my dad was in the RAF, but I guess for me, I didn't really find it that hard. I guess I I was used to moving around, and I moved to Kalala, and even though it was like four and a half hours away, I have re- still have regular contact with my parents. They come here or I go there, so it really wasn't a big a big difference. I'm used to a lot of change, so yeah.
0: Yeah. So did you go into being a defence spouse? thinking that you knew what it was going to be like? Like, what was there a transition of, okay, well, it's a bit of a difference being the adult that moves around with the the person that's in defence as opposed to being the kid? I
1: think it was more that I would be by myself a lot when he went to sea or he was deployed to a different section that I would be by myself. But um, I think having his family around kind of helped as well.
0: So how did you envision life and career working alongside defence? Obviously, you've grown up in a defence family. Both your parents were in defence. So it wasn't as much have an impact on your parents and your your mum's career, your dad's career, because obviously they had those jobs to go to at the different postings or, you know, posted to different locations, but they had that job waiting for them. So how did you envision your work life working alongside your husbands?
1: That's a bit of a hard one because I I knew what I wanted to do and I got into banking early on and I had a career path and then I guess we decided to move to America and that all changed and when I got back, I decided to go to university while we were over in in the States so i studied over there instead of working and when i got back it was a lot harder to get a job in this area even though i'm really good at networking and i know a lot of people i just still found and i'm still finding it a little bit harder to get jobs around this area like i think if we if i was in an area like Canberra or Sydney, it might be a little bit easier. I'm not sure.
0: So how are you, I guess, coming to terms with the fact that, you know, you've done this university degree and put the time and effort into the study and you have this vision and goal of this career that you want. Where I want to be, yeah. yeah. But you're in an um, area where it might not possibly be able to happen the way that you want it to.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to keep trying. I don't give up. i <laughs> I'm a bit stubborn like that. So I just do selection criteria every week, basically, because I want a government job. So, and I keep talking to people that I know in the department.
0: Did you and your husband talk about having kids and how they would fit in with postings and defence life? Like, did you take anything into consideration, or was it just when it happens, it happens? No, my husband and I always wanted to
1: have children. We talked about them fitting into with their schooling and things like that, the postings fitting into the schooling. Yeah, from personal experience, I understand that moving a child can be a really traumatic, especially in primary school. Not only primary school, high school as well. My parents moved me from the Northern Territory to New South Wales in primary school. That had a massive effect. And the fact that I had to repeat because I was moved in the middle of the year. So,
0: so I guess you can, you can plan and, and talk about having kids as much as you want, but you know, they come when they're, they're ready to come. And you know, the journey is not always like, okay, we're ready for a child. Let's have a baby sort of thing. So what was your journey to becoming a parent? Like,
1: so I kind of always knew that I'd struggle to fall pregnant. So as soon as we got married, we started trying and five years later, we still hadn't had a baby. And so we decided to go and see a doctor and find out why, the reason why we couldn't fall pregnant. Because I knew it would take a while, but I didn't think it would take five years. We did our first round of IVF, and yeah, nine eggs were fertilized from that. After finding out, we kind of thought there was some, It was my issue, and it was. It ended up being my issue, so we just had to. We had to go the IVF way, basically.
0: Yeah. So how did the IVF process work? Was your husband home for that? Like, was he away for work? Like how did it work with his job and being home and being able to um, to go through that process?
1: So most of the time he was home, but there were a couple of times when he, he was posted away that took a toll on me. That was very hard because I had to do the needles myself. The needles I, I'd already, like my husband used to set the needles up and then I'd put them in my stomach um, I wouldn't let anyone else do them but when he wasn't there I kind of I think I shut down a little bit because I was just like I I can't deal with this on my own and I'm trying to do the needles myself not having him there to help out and just the emotional toll that it took it's a roller coaster ride anyway but to add that he was away I couldn't get the needles worked out and one time it just didn't work because a like I didn't do it properly basically.
0: How was your husband feeling about not being able to be there to support you through that?
1: Oh he didn't
0: like it either but we couldn't
1: do anything about it and so the next time that I tried because he didn't want me to try again while he was away but I kind of I felt like I was running out of time and needed to have another go at it so my sister in law helped me with the needles so she got them ready and then I just injected them so
0: yeah. And so how many yeah. rounds of IVF did you end up doing and what was the the results for each round? Like how did it all? Okay, pan out?
1: so six full rounds and three frozen. So the um, six full rounds, I think one of the frozen ones worked, but it only lasted a couple of weeks. I, I lost it. But other than that, I didn't have positive pregnancy mm-hmm. at all. And it wasn't until we went through three doctors. The first one, I had surgery with him. He found endometriosis. He burnt it all off. And then probably two years later, I tried again. And then I went, we tried another doctor, had heard something about a doctor on a current affair that had massive, huge results with IVF patients. And he worked with a naturopath. So we went up there and we spoke to him. He ended up just doing another surgery where he cut all the endometriosis out again. And he basically said it was rapturing. So it was like a stage four. And I didn't actually do any IVF treatment with him because he was a private doctor and it was fairly expensive to fly over their accommodation and then have to pay for the IVF procedure. So we ended up going, trying a guy that I had heard of that live, used to live in Wagga and he moved to Newcastle. We tried with him. He wasn't actually the doctor that did the IVF process. So I had a different doctor, but we couldn't do anything about it. That was just um, how it was done. And then my husband just read somewhere about Monash to IVF and their success rate. And we arranged a meeting with the doctor her name was um Kim Matthews she is one of the most fantastic doctors and i can't speak enough about her she was just so lovely every other doctor tried to take our money like not tried to take our money i shouldn't say that they they just kind of didn't really look further into what was going on and they didn't give me basically what i needed to hear they kind of just went oh you just need to keep doing IVF cycles but she basically did one cycle and then she sat me down and she basically said to me well I can keep taking your money or we can do something completely different and she suggested using a donor and at the time I wasn't really I was thinking oh I don't I don't know if there was anyone in my family I was just thinking of family I wanted someone in that could do it because I still wanted to have that blood relationship with my child But then she just said to me, well, you've got to think outside the box. And basically, even though someone else's egg, it's still coming out of you, basically, she said. so. And we went from there and I managed, like it took a while, but I asked all my family. I asked a few of my friends, which I don't, I had trouble asking because it's very hard to ask someone. And it's a massive thing for someone to do. So I asked some of my closest friends um, and then they all said, uh, one of them said they would do it and that was fine. But when it came down to I needed, I actually needed her to do it, she kind of backed away and said, unfortunately, she couldn't do it. Um, she had kids of her own as well. So that was hard. We took that really, really hard because we thought we had someone to go through the IVF process with us. And then all of a sudden I was talking on the phone to a friend from school and I was really close to, but we'd kind of had a little bit of distance um, for a while there and I spoke to her and I just knew that I was looking for someone to donate an egg and she just went, I'll do it. And then I thought, oh, okay, you need to read the fine print because it's it's not just a thing where you can go, oh yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy to do it. She she needed to read all the ins and outs, what it would mean for her, what it would mean for her child. She did that, and probably a week later, she came back to me, like, Yeah, I'll still do it. I'm like, Are you sure? So, we had to do a counselling session with the grant, um, my donor friend and I. And after that, everything just kind of went, it took probably a month to two months, and they were collecting the edge. We got four of them. So once, however many eggs, you sign a contract to say that those are your eggs, so they're they're mine. If I decide I want to have another one, she's signed to say that she's authorised me to do that.
0: Nine out of ten Defence spouses wish they found out about Defence banks sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. Banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. Do you feel like that it was meant to be because it was just mentioned in passing and then all of a sudden you've got an egg donor?
1: And the reason I didn't ask her because she just came out of a divorce. She was like in the process of getting a divorce with her husband and I didn't want to create more issues and things like that and Grant and I were just shocked and surprised but we're so immensely thankful for this girl to do that it's a massive call she's got a son herself
0: how did it work with I guess she signs yep you go through the whole process and yes she still wants to go ahead with it she gets the eggs collected and then I guess you know signed over to you so then was it what happened then you went ahead and did a normal ivf cycle it wasn't a cycle
1: that i did on my own i needed medication to do the cycle so i had to do the needles again and other medication and then that you went in one day they basically do a procedure and you wait a couple like wait i think two or three weeks for the results And they come back and tell you if it's positive or negative. So I didn't actually have to do the big procedure where they put you out and things like that. So it kind of took a little bit of the pressure, I guess, off me because that's a stressful thing as well. And I'm, I'm sure it was probably a little bit stressful for my friend just because she, I guess, wanted to make sure that she had like even one egg to give to me. So but getting four was a good result. And your doctor also, they have to talk to the doctor to make sure they're compatible with you and everything like that. Um, it's a bit of a process to start off with. But once the ball's rolling and um, you've spoken to the counsellor and things like that, usually if you wanted to, it usually happens. So, yeah.
0: So, I mean, then what were you feeling by the time that you then became pregnant from your donor egg? how long had it been that you'd been trying for a baby and, and how how were you feeling about going ahead with it that so, way and then being pregnant?
1: Yeah, so it was 12 years by then. I think because my friend and I had such a good connection that I I was so thankful no matter what. And I love that now we, because we call each other sister. So now we can actually call each other sister because really we do share a major like we share
0: my daughter and I guess how were you feeling during the whole pregnancy because it had taken so long to get to the stage where we were pregnant did you do it was nerve-wracking. Feel like- very
1: nerve-wracking i so i ate all the right foods but i even to the point like I used to go swimming to the point where if it was cold uh, I was very mindful of going in the water it sounds silly but if you've had to wait so long to have a child, you like you basically do everything to make sure that nothing goes wrong, I guess. So that was the hard thing was just trying to, and I was I was on edge. I was trying not to be, and I was trying to stay calm. But and then I think by the probably the third, uh, the, the second trimester, I'd kind of calmed. In. I was in a place where I was ready to, you know, for my little girl to come and
0: so I guess in the meantime defense life is still happening and you know at the start of the journey of trying to fall pregnant you're you know you kind of like okay well this if we get pregnant now it'll work out with you not being away and then if we get pregnant you know a couple months after that it might be that we're posting to another location like what was happening with defense life all in the background of that
1: oh he was going away a lot (laughs) so before Mia he was he'd be going for three months and sometimes he'd be even in the, in the bay and he couldn't get off the ship. So you just wave from a distance basically, but yeah, so that always going in the, in the background. And I just had to try and keep my emotions, like keep it all together as well. Um, Majority of the time that we were doing the IVF, he was home, but there were occasions when he wasn't.
0: So I guess she finally arrives and parents after so many years of trying and, you know, building the hopes up and having them sort of come crashing down. What was it like to finally become a parent after that long?
1: Well, we both cried (laughs) the day that she was born. And we still, we're still like, every morning I wake up, I'm like, I have a little girl. I actually do have a little girl. I have to remind myself like, that it was just like, it's so amazing that she is here. It's a miracle basically.
0: Do you wonder at all what, you know, whether you would have in fact been able to get pregnant if you hadn't have been open to the idea of doing the donor?
1: I think if I had kept going, I don't think I would have fallen. Yeah. There's, there's more, there was more issues than just the endometriosis, I think. And my age wasn't really benefiting either. So I think if I just had kept going and I think if I didn't, We just, we had the doctor that we had and it took us a while to find one that we both liked, but when we found her, it it just fit. Everything just all came together.
0: So do you feel like because you were a defence kid yourself that you were better able to relate to your own kids and the experience that they might be going through?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I'll, when, because my, my daughter's only 20 months, but I think when she grows a bit older, I think I'll have more of an understanding. can relate to when we move and that's the other thing you've got to think about is I guess their education and how moving will affect that and friends and things like that the moving from the Northern Territory to New South Wales had a massive effect on me I moved in the middle of the year and I had to read one one year in primary school because of the it was such a big move and at that stage like the teaching was a lot different in New South Wales compared to the Northern Territory.
0: Would you obviously take that on board if you were to get posted somewhere else and think okay well I'll stay behind until the end of the school year or how would you work that? Definitely definitely. I would
1: definitely take that into consideration my daughter would be the main priority in her schooling.
0: Aside from that what didn't you like about being a defence kid? That
1: I um, had to say goodbye to friends a lot. Not as much as other. I know there were a lot of other kids that moved like all through different years of primary school and high school. But I guess saying goodbye. And also when I was on the base, my friends, a lot of my friends didn't come visit because they needed to get into the base. They had to have a pass. It was just kind of a bit too hard sometimes. I love living on the base for the
0: safety. What about... On the, I guess, opposite side, what did you love about being a defence kid?
1: The fact that I had access to, well, I lived on the base, so I could go to the pool. There was a cinema. There was a gym, um, if I needed to use it. There was playgrounds. Like it was a, like a little community on the base. It was a really good um, childhood just being able to connect with other kids that were on the base that had similar experiences to me, moving and things like that.
0: So have you made use of any spouse support or any defence events or any defence support?
1: So when he was away, I went to events organised by the, I think it was at the officers' mess. I used to go to those events. And I would go to the community house, and I'd talk to other women in defence that their partners were away as well. So just having those connections helped, I guess, emotionally. And I knew I knew of a lot of defence support that I could access. I know there's like if you're not coping, I know there's um, counselling that you can get while they're away and things like that. But I think just socialising with other defence people in the same position definitely helped. And I, I didn't mind going to events without my husband because I knew a lot of people at those events anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I was comfortable yeah. going to defence defense events.
0: So what have been some of the things, I guess, that you do to help make defence life a little bit easier for yourself? Obviously, you've got a little one now and all of, you know, before... She was born, you were going through the ups and downs of IVF and, and all of that. What did you do to, I guess, you know, a bit of self-care and self-love for yourself?
1: Do a workout, I guess, um, just catch up with girlfriends. I think that's because I'm a person that doesn't like to bottle things up. I like to talk about it. So um, I think that's helped to with the IVF process as well, being able to talk to other, even defence partners. And I have some non-defence partners that are friends as well now in this area and that's the other hard thing like getting to this area and finding friends like connecting with people is probably really hard for some defense partners so but yeah for me I guess it's about just yeah socializing trying to stay positive just exercise I guess
0: and healthy eating Especially if you're a talker, it's hard when you're a talker and you go home to an empty house. So. I know. Yeah, definitely.
1: And cooking for one isn't that great. I learned how to fix a washing machine, how to mow the lawn. <laughs> so I learned how to be a bit more independent, I suppose. So that wasn't a bad thing.
0: What have you learned along the way? Obviously you've been a defence spouse for a fair while. Don't bottle
1: things up. Try to talk to people about it if you're feeling... A bit overwhelmed about your partner going away. I know a lot of people that'll just not ask for help while their partner's away, but I always feel like I, I and I always say to them, please don't hesitate to come and talk to me if you need a hint, like I'm here, I'm here for you. I like I've been there. It's not it's not great. So I guess just connecting with other spouses if their partners are overseas in the same or like anywhere um, away with your husband, I suppose they kind of understand they're in a similar situation. So just talking to them about it.
0: Yeah. And I guess, you know, if you putting yourself in the position of someone else who is, you know, needing help, but not able to ask it, put yourself in the other person's position. If someone came to you and asked for help, it's not like you would say no, you know, you've been there, done that. So you would obviously, coming from their position, be there with open arms for them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And even telling them like of what I know about who they they can access, you know, like community defence community access of the ones that I know, I guess. So just telling them about that. Yeah. I mean, it's not easy, but I think communicating with others does help to, yeah, but Yeah. yeah, you're right at night when you're by yourself and if you don't have kids, it'd be very quiet. And it was, it was very quiet, but yeah, I just, I still talk to people at night. Like when my husband was away, I would talk to my mom or talk to a friend um, or get people to come over. Yeah. Have dinner sure. with
0: me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing right. your story. I can't believe that, you know, you've finally got your beautiful little girl after such a yes. long, long Neither can I Still, I'm still shocked. <laughs> yeah. I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things...